Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to HIV Hope and Charity, a podcast series brought to you by TVPS, a charity that supported HIV positive people since 1985. I'm Sarah. And I'm Jess, and we work for TVPS, and our aim is to get as many people as possible HIV educated. If you enjoy our podcast, please like, rate, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Well, oh, do you know what I've just realised? Oh, yes. this is no way to start a podcast. You can only see half my face. <laughs> it's just your eyes. <laughs> like you were peeking what? out of a box. <laughs> what a way to start. Welcome to HIV Hope and Charity. Hi, how are you? I'm okay. I need to get the image sorted out. Yeah. There we go. That's better. I'm very well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I was just going to say we should probably explain that we, I know we explain a lot, but if anyone's new, we record on Zoom, so we're not together. That's why that might have sounded weird, Sarah, that we had started recording and I was saying it was like you were peeking out of a little box. Oh, no, it's just I haven't got the screen set up correctly or the camera set up correctly, so you could only see the top half of my head. We never record in the same room because uh, Jess isn't allowed within 200 metres of me. But we don't talk about that, do we, love? And, you know, the injunction's not forever. <laughs> we'll be back face to face soon. I to say, it doesn't stop me from watching you with night vision goggles. That's what I was going to say. That's so weird. <laughs> I don't know why I took it dark. No, I don't know, but it's all evidence for the uh, court case. I'm going to have to edit that out now. See, now I actually will have to edit that out, right? No, you cannot edit that out. No, because I'm going to say it again. Jess watches me with night vision goggles. It's weird. <laughs> Just keep popping it in all the way through the podcast. What are we doing today? Oh, right. We Well, do you know what? We're going to look at something different this week. It is a key moment in history. So we're doing history. Well, it's kind of history slash hero. Um, but it's a fictional moment. We've looked before at how arts had an influence on HIV. Keith Haring is a really good example of that. We featured him in a previous episode. This week, we're looking at art again. We're looking at a very talented cartoonist called Gary Trudeau, the creator of the Doonesbury cartoon. Oh, furrowed brow, confused expression. Stop I tell you what. Selling me out to everyone. Gary's going to be like, why doesn't she know who he is? I, I have not heard of it. To be fair, 
I hadn't either. And I'm not a huge fan of kind of comic books or comic strips, which is what we're talking about, comic strips. But this is like a cult following for this comic strip. Um, yeah, it's massive. How have I never heard of this? Doomsbury. Well, yes. So originally gonna... it was called The Bull Tales. And it's a cartoon. It ran in a Yale student newspaper. It was picked up by the Universal Press Syndicate. They changed the name to Doonesbury. They recruited Gary to compile it and began to circulate it widely. Um, And they circulated it to over a thousand daily and Sunday newspapers worldwide, including uh, The Guardian here in the UK. It was also available online through The Washington Post. If you want to see what I'm talking about, then you should go to gocomics.com. We'll put a link up. Or you can just search on Google, but it's massive. If you're into this type of um, kind of art or comedy, it's huge. Really? Would I like it? What's the humour like? I think it's good. I mean, like I said, I'm not a massive fan of kind of comic strips anyway. But I think what's interesting here and why we're looking at it is because of a storyline that they ran about HIV. And that's kind of I've seen some of the strips that were produced and they are good. Oh, yeah, because I'm not going to lie to you. I was wondering, where, where are we going now? We're going off on a tangent about a comic. What's this this have to do with anything that we are doing? So, OK, so they, well, obviously you yes. tell me, but I'm quite often impatient. So this, yes, this caught my attention because it's a way of raising awareness that I would never even have thought could be done. Um, They ran a storyline about HIV, an award-winning storyline. And the plot line focused on a fictional character called Andy Lippincott. So this comic strip has been running for years and years and years, like right back from the 70s. So there's some very established uh, characters. It's like a soap, but obviously in kind of artistic kind of format. Like the Archers. Yeah, a bit like the Archers. Yeah, same sort of thing. Um, and one of the characters is is this guy called Andy. So he's an attorney and he's very openly gay. He's the best friend of someone called Joni Caucus, who's one of the core characters in the comic strip. Joni originally sees Andy as potential boyfriend material, uh, but she soon realises it can't be and they become best friends. And she supports him as he experiences the challenges of being gay in the 80s, including contracting HIV and his subsequent death. This runs over a number of years. And in the history of newspaper comic strips, Andy is the first openly gay character and the first character to die of AIDS. And it resulted in Gary being nominated for the Pulitzer Prize. So it's pretty pretty big news at the time. That's massive. The Pulitzer Prize is massive. So we're going right back. 1976, that's the first time Andy appears in the comic strip. Um, And like I said, this is how long it's been going. It's like a real got a cult-like status when you start researching it online people are massive fans of it so he first appears in 1976 he then disappears comes back in 1982 um he's the organizer of the bay area gay alliance he's helping another character get re-elected for congress um i think that's the other thing to say about it's quite kind of satirical and dealing with political issues and kind of just life issues really and then Andy comes back again in 1989 when he's diagnosed with AIDS. The storyline runs over the course of a year as he battles with the illness, but sadly he dies to the soundtrack of the Beach Boys, Wouldn't It Be Nice? He did appear uh, posthumously in the comic strip, uh, which I guess What's is that the cartoons, posthumously. Not I heard someone say this on the TV the other day and they did not say it like that. So now I'm wondering if I have got that pronunciation correct. Yeah, you have posthumously, because honestly, anyone I've described this to and I've said posthumously, they've nearly died laughing. 
honestly, <laughs> it's just <laughs> the bane of my life now. Okay, so he carries on after his death. He appears posthumously in the comic strip in a self-made video, which is shown at his memorial. Now, we've talked about, so this is going to a thousand newspapers around the world, this comic strip. Only three of them wouldn't carry the HIV storyline because they said it was in bad taste. I don't know which ones, but that's, I know that's sad, isn't it? How is that in bad taste? Well, you don't know, do you? They just didn't like the thought of HIV perhaps appearing in something that's supposed to be lighthearted. I don't know. I, I, I just, yeah, I just can't understand how that could be classed as bad taste. I really can't. No, and I, they're coming out like every day or every week and there's nothing in bad taste. Yes, you were talking about somebody with HIV, but there's no kind of sexual references or anything like that in there. Now, this next bit is one of my favourite bits of all time. And I think it shows how massive this cartoon strip is in America. Because after Andy Lippincott died, and let's not forget, he is a fictional character. He was not forgotten. He was remembered with a panel on the AIDS quilt. So we've talked about the UK AIDS quilt in our memorials episode. And very briefly during that episode, we, we mentioned that America had a similar quilt, which they did. And Andy's panel read, in loving memory, Andy Lippincott, 1945 to 1990, community leader, conservationist, author, Olympic medalist and winner of the Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, it's quite a person, quite a hero. Did he actually do all those things in the comic? I don't think he did. Now, the panel, it wasn't sewn into the actual AIDS memorial quilt, but it is displayed at the Names Project Foundation office. They're the custodians of the American AIDS memorial quilt. So he was big in America. I I love that, though. I love that because he was obviously such a well-loved character, right? Yes. Yeah, that he was very deserving of his own little quilt panel. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? Okay, so there's an AP News online article from 1989 about the cartoon and its depiction of AIDS. And it explains that what Gary did over a three-week period initially, he has a few digs at how the public and the government have responded to HIV in light of the fact that Andy is living with it. And the storyline centres around a town hall meeting in San Francisco and a character called Lacey Davenport. So the comic strip has already poked fun at fears of getting AIDS through casual contact, the views about AIDS only affecting gay men. It's basically picking up on all the things that are in the media and having a little dig within the comic strip about them and putting people right. Also deals with the public's discomfort at dealing with the sexual element of HIV. And in this storyline, he's moved on to attitudes to HIV. So throughout Andy's kind of last year living with AIDS, there's this undercurrent of pointing out to people, you know, you need to change your attitude. You need to stop being judgmental. So at one point during the comic strip on one of the days, 81-year-old Davenport, Lacey Davenport, finds herself unable to use the word AIDS, instead saying the great unpleasantness. So that's what I'm talking about. And it captured the reality of how a lot of people dealt with AIDS, either by not talking about it or skirting around the issue. So the hope is by doing this, people will read that and think, well, how ridiculous. Why couldn't she just have said AIDS? And then might realise that they could be copying that behaviour or doing the same things in their own life. So it's kind of like getting people to have a look at themselves. It's quite clever. It's so clever. I love it so much. And actually, I'm sorry, that's still true today that people don't want to say even HIV out loud. I remember I took a client to the home office and the lady went, you still got this and pointed at the paper. (laughs) Sorry, what? And she's like, still got this, have you? And it was just literally like unbelievable. Like, you know, A, what? You're saying, have you still got this? Number one. Oh my gosh. You can't, you're, you're, you're not able to say HIV out loud. 
bizarre. It's awful, isn't it? And this was in a professional capacity. <laughs> yeah, at the home office, that happened. I mean, it happened when I started, so about 14 years ago, but still. Oh, gosh. Oh, cat's kicking off now. <laughs> it's, all, it's all happening. And one of the things I like about Gary Trudeau is that he rarely gave interviews. So he's kind of raising awareness, but he's not wanting to have the spotlight on himself. But he did a very rare interview where he did say, I had a hard time finding the right approach to AIDS. I had to strip it of its taboos to attack the fear and ignorance by laughing in its face. And that's really what he's doing is using humour to remove the ignorance and the fear that people are experiencing. And others agreed with his approach. Rene Durazzo from the San Francisco AIDS Foundation said, you know, humour is essential for educating people. It gets them to look at themselves without a lot of harsh confrontations, getting them to laugh at their own silly attitudes. See, we found humour works, haven't we, with our awareness raising? I would say more than anything else, more than, you know, no one wants to be lectured. I think people switch off the moment you start finger wagging and telling people what they can and can't do there's definitely that attitude these days isn't there you can't tell me what to do yeah so that definitely doesn't fly so yeah we found that being funny being a bit tongue-in-cheek especially is the way forward and showing that we're not we're not here to tell you off Mm. and lecture you do what you want to do just you know be safe absolutely and I think sometimes it can catch people off guard can't they because they're expecting you to tell them how to live their life and when you do it in a more humorous manner they're just more open to it aren't they to accepting what you're telling them definitely I think we are as well aren't we like that's sort of part of this podcast you know we knew that uh, at something really serious where we were very you know serious voices and I'm not sure anyone would continue listening no, I don't think they would. No, you're right. They wouldn't. We wouldn't be able to be serious for long anyway. God, no. <laughs> Can you imagine? It. A serious podcast would be awful. Like we would be, we would just, I was going to say we'd murder it, but that is a horrible word to use. You know what I'm saying? Butcher it. We would butcher it. Yes, we, no, we definitely would. Right. Who else agreed with um, Gary's approach? Brother Kevin Worth, a Roman Catholic monk who worked with AIDS patients at Mother Teresa's Spiritual Resource Centre in Oakland called Trudeau's aid series an effective way of uncovering the public's ignorance. Again, saying Lady Lacey Davenport's unwillingness to name the issue represents a common response on the part of the American public, much of which prefers that this disease simply did not exist or would just go away. And Trudeau is showing us it will not. Do you know what? And this highlights my own preconceptions and prejudices. Never in a million years would I have thought at the height of the AIDS pandemic that a Roman Catholic monk would be caring for AIDS patients? Lots of people had opinions about the comet strip and they were all favourable. I'm, I'm going to go and read the, well, I'm going to obviously not read the whole thing because I think it would take me forever if it's like a soap opera, but I'm definitely going to go and look at some of the, these HIV parts. Well, look, HIV charities love the comic strip. In San Francisco, the comic strip was greeted with guffaws. Oh, that's a good word at numerous AIDS organisations. And Lance Henderson, the finance director of the Names Project, the custodians of the AIDS quilt, he put the segment of the daily strip on his door each day so anyone that visited his office could read it. But as with everything else, not everyone was happy, of course. Someone from uh, the Democratic Republic, I suppose we'd call them a member of parliament, but one of the Democratic Republic representatives of San Francisco says, I wish he'd done this four years ago. Most of what I've seen so far is a little after the fact. These issues have been raised before. Why can't everyone just applaud what he's doing? Right, exactly. What, do we just say things once and then we never do it again? 
What a weird attitude to have. No, that that was her attitude. Very strange. But on the whole, everyone was really supportive and positive of what was happening. Now, as I've said, Gary Trudeau, he's the man behind the cartoon. Very private. Not much that we can say about him. That makes me like him even more, as I said earlier. Uh, So we can't say for sure why he chose to feature HIV. But I like to think that he saw an opportunity to change people's perceptions and he just ran with it. And he's had a very illustrious career, not just writing cartoons. He's worked in theatre and TV too. But as I said, doesn't like doing interviews. So I can't give you any kind of facts on him because he keeps a very low profile. Good for him. I think so. I think it's an easier kind of way of life, isn't it? I mean, what we can say is that the inclusion of HIV in a comic strip distributed to a thousand different newspapers is an absolutely genius way of raising awareness about HIV, getting people to consider their perceptions of the virus over a good few years, because the storyline did run for a few years. And I've got here some final words from somebody called Judge Winnick. Um, and he was writing about the comic strip in Poz magazine. And he says, I became a cartoonist because of Gary Trudeau. At the time he was 19, when the storyline featuring Lacey was published, you know, the one that says the great unpleasantness. And he says, you know, I didn't think Lacey represented people like me, well-meaning but ignorant about the epidemic. I basically just thought one thing. I just thought this is funny. And then he gives an example of where the humour was in this comic strip. So it's when Andy is very ill with AIDS and his parents come to visit. And he's trying to explain to his mum that he hasn't caught AIDS from a mosquito. And he's saying to her, no, mum, it wasn't from a mosquito. I caught it from a six foot two radiologist. And she replies and she's over the moon. She's like, a doctor, you're dating a doctor. And that's what he's saying. So that for me is funny. That's the uniqueness of the cartoon, the ability to use humour to snooker this person, Judd, into thinking that subjects I might not normally consider, you know, are are funny. He says, as this was my first time seeing AIDS in any other context besides grave news reports, it made the disease accessible to me. And I think that sums it up perfectly. So my work here is done. You're welcome. We find that local newspapers are an amazing way to raise awareness, don't we? And mainly because you're reaching everyone. So many different people who might not be on a computer or might not go to the clinic or I don't just anyone and everyone tends to read a local newspaper or a newspaper of some sort and also even if I was sitting there and I wanted to know more about HIV I can sit with my newspaper open in my house with everyone else there and I can be just I'm reading the stories that the newspaper is presenting me do you know what I mean so it's not like as targeted is it no no it's definitely not and I think as you know we're talking kind of back in the 80s here aren't we when you know there was no internet had to rely on newspapers for you know all your information really um and he was what 19 at the time and you can imagine the newspaper headlines we've talked about the newspaper headlines they were quite sensationalist but like he's saying it was just dire what was going on there was no cure some of the newspapers were kind of describing this as you know this is a gay disease and an instant death to gay people and all of this and this was the perfect antidote to that to say well actually you know it doesn't have to be serious there can be humor in it too and at the same time we're raising awareness about what you know it's actually like rather than you know challenging some of the perceptions that people have got from those newspaper articles i love it i think we should devise our own comic strip oh i'm no good at drawing well no nor am i so that's okay that's Lauren. Lauren, are you any good at drawing? No? Okay. 
I don't know. We'll see. We'll see when she comes back, Ruth. Maybe that's it. But I think I'm just going to start trying to print off some of the Doomsbury ones. I don't know if we're allowed Yeah, to. I think we should, you know. We should try and get hold of the Doomsbury ones and maybe have them up in our centre because I <laughs> love the idea of having that humour around it. Because actually, so many people that ask about our centre, I know I'm forever talking about what we do, but of course, that's our day job. How can we not? <laughs> but everyone's always, oh, what's it like? Quite often, it, there's just a lot of laughter, isn't there? I just think people find comfort in a lot of humour. I think so. No, I think you're right. I think it helps lift the mood, doesn't it? And, you know, even when you're dealing with very serious issues, it can help make the burden slightly easier to carry. So well done, Gary Trudeau. Yeah, I, I honestly, I love it. I'm really genuinely really excited. I'm just going to go now when we stop recording and go and have a look. So there you go. Who knew that HIV was being featured in a in a comic strip? So is it still going? I think it is. Yes, I'm sure it is. I don't know. I didn't check that. Mainly interested in the past. Right. I'm looking it up now. Yeah, it's not my job to keep up to with the present. That's you. It launched on October the 26th, 1970, 51 years ago. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Deansbury, the Washington Post. It it does look like... Oh, here we go. Deansbury's doing... Sweetening and Pencil going... Yeah. This is good podcast material, isn't it? What, just me Googling things and then mumbling? And muttering. It would appear to still be going. Whoa. Yeah. Sundays only and they repeat strips throughout the week. <gasps> That's amazing, isn't it? Wow. I told you, it's got cult status. Hasn't it? And I really like the look of Gary Trudeau. I'm just looking him up and his wife. He's got three children. Oh, wow. Okay. Sorry. I feel like we need to have more. I'm not saying, oh, let's, you know, laugh at HIV. That's not what I'm saying. But like we're saying, I think there's a place for humour. I think there is, yes. Yeah, we should never forget that. Never be too serious. No, definitely not. Well, you've made my day. I'm off now. I'm off to go. There you go. My work here is done. And so next week, are we starting crime season? That's my crime voice. Are you going to use that at the start? Yeah, I'll be like, in a small town. There was a crime. <laughs> I shouldn't ad lib things ever. <laughs> uh, yes, next the crime season. Marvellous. Oh, I'm so excited. Right. I'll see you back here for a crime session with this voice next week. All right, Phil Mitchell. Thank you for listening to HIV Hope and Charity. If you'd like to get in touch, email us at office at tvps.org.uk. And please keep sharing the podcast far and wide to help us get as many people as possible HIV education. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.